That's long enough to watch get, get uh, through it. seven <laughs> times once a day. Death Rider in the House of Vampires in, in uh, increments. House of Pancakes. If you drink yourself till you black out, you can watch a bit more the next it's day. Just, yeah. It's just security cam footage of Danzig managing an IHOP. Yeah. <laughs> two and a half hours. <clears throat> oh, God. Well, I'll be ready to start here in just a second. Um, I I have a mental list of what I watched since last time, so I don't know how good I'm going to do with that. But I've I've got a physical list. Oh, good. Tons. Cool, cool. All right. Well, let's start the thing. Hello, hello, listeners. You're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. First, we'll talk about recently watched, which we're going to spoil. And uh, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find the music on Apple Music or Amazon where you can buy it digitally or say hello to them on Facebook where they are the Moon Dash Rays. And we are not professional critics. We are your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Will. Hello. And Jolian. Happy New Year. Does it sound like I'm reading that? When I say all that stuff, you're just so slick. Uh, yeah, that's what people so, doubt. We're, we're not professionals. More like brainwashed or conditioned or something like that. Um, <clears throat> so we got through the holidays, in quotes. Um, How was it for you? It was great. It was great. I I got some time off at the end of the year, and um, they let you off on your birthday. Yeah, yeah. We went to Casa Bonita. Mm. The new improved Casa Bonita, which if listeners have seen that episode of South Park, it's actually a real place. Parker and Stone, who who created South Park, bought the place, rescued it from basically being shut down and uh, revamped it. So when you go in, you, you don't smell just chlorine and the food <laughs> isn't like a Swanson TV dinner or worse or worse. Some store brand TV dinner. <laughs> You've been. It refrozen TV dinner. Yeah, it was awful. It's the it, worst food I've ever had. Yeah, it the not intro- the worst Mexican food. The worst food. The worst food, as categorically, it can be. Yes. Defined. So what was it like? It was. Um, <clears throat> it's almost like they just uh, scrubbed the layer of grime off of everything, uh, cleaned all that up, um, expanded the place. I believe. I think they maybe took out a couple walls and. Uh, Everything's clean. Everything's new. Um, They still have you go through like the cafeteria line. And one of the people that is helping you carries one of the trays if there's four or more people. And then they have somebody from your group carry the other tray. They walk you to your table. And then 
Uh, all the lighting and all the decor is really nice. And, uh, is it just an empty tray? What are you carrying on oh, the tray? Your, your, uh, your meal? Your, your TV dinners. Your no, TV dinners. Okay, so they brought in some Michelin star chef to, uh, to redo the menu. So the food is actually good. And uh, the sopapillas are better than they were because that used to be the only edible mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah. You you eat up before you go in. Right. Yeah. You just have the sopapillas. Right. So, yeah. but they had a thing where you had to buy something. Mm. So then you have to buy it all before you go. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. Well, the, and right now it's you know everyone wants to go to the new revamped Casa Bonita. Mm-hmm. So there's like a um, a lottery system to where you can possibly get your tickets they're like okay you can buy tickets to go in and you might get it right away it might take three months so for my birthday we uh we had uh another couple that the guy had gotten the lottery and he could choose the dates and he's like hey richard's birthday let's do it that's nice yeah yeah very nice now the only south park things they really did to the place is there's a table in a little cabana kind of area that's got a big fiberglass Cartman statue with a table full of food and there's a young girl running the thing like she'll she'll take photos with your cell phone she has your group gather around Cartman and yell sopapillas and then she shoots the picture uh and instead of the gorilla running around in gym shorts it's man bear pig running around in gym shorts oh yeah the gorilla well, they got the mask in a display case there's like a history of display case like a little museum you can walk through it's pretty cool. Hmm. Uh, I'll count that as part of my recently watched. And then I'll just tell you guys I've been watching Louder Milk, um, which is a series about a uh, Gen X guy who's uh, a recovering alcoholic. It's Ron Livingston, who you would know from Office Space or Band of Brothers. And um, he's just very disaffected and not digging life a whole lot. Just kind so of, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Just like back in the 90s. We, we continue to be the same generation we were. <laughs> exactly. Disaffected. Except for instead of drinking, he's a recovering alcoholic who leads a uh, support group. And um, he's uh, very forward about uh, confronting people in public who are being awful in a very low-key kind of way. So uh, I like Ron Livingston, so it's it's a good show for me to watch. I'm, uh, we're into the third season of it. I'm digging it. She's digging it. So um, there's that. Uh, and Will Sasso from Mad TV is is his roommate. One of his two roommates. Okay. The big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what else? Uh, I did start watching this. Uh, you guys are going to be so surprised. I got, I got the most Richard thing that I could do. Okay. If you look over on the shelf by the uh, JFK limo model, mm-hmm. see that film camera? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That just arrived yesterday. That is the same, the same camera, not the same one, but the same, same (laughs) as, same as Abraham Zapruder's film camera that he filmed the Kennedy assassination with. I wound it up and it runs. There could even be film in it. So (laughs) guess where it came from? Where? Roswell, New Mexico. Wow. (laughs) It's in, it's in remarkably good shape. Yeah, Uh, it is. The only thing that would make it a more Richard thing would be if there was footage of Bigfoot on yeah, the film. I'm gonna say, is there? There could be. They're totally or a could. UFO. Well, it came from Roswell, so we covered oh, that we base. We covered the UFOs. Okay. Yeah. So you should never develop that film because. Yeah. This is like Schrodinger's Bigfoot. Yeah. Well, that's true, isn't it? Yes. 
exactly like that. <laughs> so, Completely true. Um, but I did I did watch a uh, I think it's a two or three part miniseries thing on Tubi that's got uh, it's a very recent one that's got coverage of what's going on with UFOs lately and I forget what it's called. <laughs> so it's got one of those titles. Kind of, I like that. <laughs> what's going on with UFOs lately? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, probably a better name for it. I think it was like you should start that. It's you like, should start a separate <laughs> podcast yeah. in just like 15 minutes of UFO news. Yeah. Just updates. <laughs> I can read you excerpts from the UFO books I do. There you yeah. go. I, do, I just do the covers. I don't... What's up with UFOs <laughs> lately? <laughs> What's going down with UFOs? What's up with the UFOs? Uh, so... What are the UFOs getting up to nowadays? Well, the latest thing is there's a weird jellyfish-looking one that... Yeah, jellyfish ones are in this year, aren't they? Yeah, like I, I thought black triangles were going to still be hanging around. Yeah, we've had like the airship phase and the cigar phase and the classic saucers. Oh, we got the jellyfish. We're jellyfish Yeah, now. I dig the jellyfish. All right. So are they organic? I hope so. Are they? Mm-hmm. Inorganic? <laughs> yeah, I don't you know. You find out when they eat you. Silicone based? Is this all based on nope? Is it nope? Yeah, it could be. Is nope behind this? I think it could be. I think that the. I'm going to start using nope as an acronym for some unknown agency. So instead of ETs, extraterrestrials, or aliens, can we just start saying Martians like they used to back in the day? Saucermen. Saucermen. Yes, Saucermen. Oh, and there's a whole pile of movies in front of you that, that are Jolians that I'm returning to him. I watched probably seven movies out of that, and I couldn't tell you which ones. <laughs> Good stuff, then. Good okay. stuff. <laughs> well, they're all well, cause, 50s and 60s sci-fi stuff. Well, your favorite actress is in them. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, that beautiful What's-Her-Face. What's-Her-Face? <laughs> What's-Her-Face. What's up with What's-Her-Face? <laughs> Who was it again? This, I watched these like three weeks ago. <laughs> I married a... Monster from Outer Space. What? Yeah. Yeah. Classic. I love that one. Well, I don't know if it's a classic, Bird but I do love it. Gordon. Big. Yeah. That's, that's my record day in that one. Oh, and I couldn't watch any of the Nazi exploitation because it wouldn't load. It was... It was oh, sick. your player had moral objections. Don't, <laughs> don't blame it. Yeah. Committed suicide rather than play that. It said something about a region. Nope. <laughs> Basically. Said nope. Censored by nope. It started flashing. Um, so that's really it for me. Let's let's uh, get on to uh, Will. What have you watched lately? What's well, what's up with films you've watched lately? What's up with films? Uh, well, lately I've watched I watched seven films that I wrote down. I know I watched more than that, but uh, of the seven, four were new. Oh, cool. So I watched Saltburn. Oh, yeah. It's a that, prime. It's on my watch list. How is it? I enjoyed it. I don't know if it was good or not, or if it was just... It's one of those that, like, don't look at it. Just enjoy the beautiful pictures and the depraved behavior of rich people. Mm-hmm. To, if you pull at any little thread, it's going to fall apart. Oh, so it's so like it's just, good yellow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of. Um, but I liked it, mm-hmm. you know. Uh I don't know if it'd quite fit the show. It's it's horror adjacent. Yeah, it's kind of horror yeah, adjacent. I want to see that one. Yeah, it's free, so you're Prime. No, it's, it's on Prime. Yeah, um, pretty good acts. Uh, 
you know, awful yeah. rich people. He presented SNL last weekend. Oh, did he? Whatever that guy's name is. Yeah. That guy. Seven foot tall Australian guy. Ah. Can't remember his name. Yeah, the tall guy. They were making a big fuss over him. Big Jim, I think was his name. <laughs> Wasn't that an action figure that would try to compete with G.I. Joe? Uh, yeah, I think. Well, I think he was after G.I. Joe and he was half the size. Huh, I'd or have maybe to... eight inches. I don't think he was as big as G.I. Joe. He was actually six inches, but he said he was eight. <laughs> yeah. Was he, was he made of meat or am I confusing him with Slim Jim? He was made of meat. <laughs> It was actually pressed onion meal right. that was meat flavored. Okay. No actual meat in it that we know of. Uh, then I watched Barbie. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, I watched that too. I enjoyed it. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. It was I, yeah, I really like that right. one. Super yeah. duper stylized. Funny. Yeah. It's funny yeah. enough. Love uh, Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was really funny in it. Uh, then I watched a miniseries on, uh, I think it was Max, called Cult of the Mother God. How is that? Lady. What's who, up with the Cult of Mother God? <laughs> lately. Um, there was a, a uh, young, disaffected Gen Xer who was drinking. This is not a joke at all. Uh, she took too many drugs. And saw God and then decided, wait a minute, I am God? That's better than saying mm-hmm. I saw God. Mm-hmm. More, uh, more tax write-offs. Yeah, more tax write-offs. Started a place here in uh, uh, Colorado. Damn, I, now I can't remember uh, what little town she was in. But she gathered up a bunch of followers and... Uh, was kind of, you know, she would gather up a bunch of guys who she'd sleep with. So she had that going for her. But, you know, a twist on the usual. Huh. <laughs> she was breaking the glass ceiling. Sure. Then she went into Congress? Uh, no, she uh, unfortunately drank herself to death. Oh. So. But the people, uh, the cult members kept her body for like, six weeks or something before the cops showed up. Did they think they were going to resurrect her body or some shit? Yeah, they were pretty sure she was coming back. Mm. And she'd taken a bunch of colloidal silver? Colloidal silver, yeah. So she was blue. So she had turned blue. So it was hard to tell when she was actually dead. Um, Well, yeah, she'd been dead evidently a while. Uh, Weird. She became trapped by her own uh, cult. Uh, she was dying. She'd be like, it's all bullshit. I made this all up. Give me to the hospital. Give me to the hospital. <laughs> and then they'd be like, okay, okay. And they'd start to, and then they're like, well, we probably shouldn't. Probably because they're thinking, fuck, this lady's dying. I don't want to take her to the hospital. Let's pray over it. questions. And the guy who was the banker for the group ran off with all the money because it has been in his name. Hmm. So he heard she died, and he went, okay, well, it's all in my name anyway. I made $130,000. Wow. Well, see you later. Yeah. Uh, then I watched uh, David Fincher's newest, uh, The Killer. Mm. Mm, yeah, I talked about that at yeah. some point. Whoa. Yeah. 
what an emptied Fincher film. It's, you know, if they didn't have the adventure sequences, all the, the, the action sequences, there'd be nothing there. There, yeah, there was almost nothing there. Yeah. It felt like, I don't know. Like AI wrote it? <laughs> Kinda. It just felt completely soulless. It was very weird for David Fincher. I mean, it had touches, but even there was not, it wasn't much. Yeah. It's kind of like if he directed a made-for-TV movie. Yeah, that's probably more like it. You know. Hmm. It yeah. was re- revenge, and I I was bored. I remember liking the action sequences well enough to stay with the movie. And the cutesy-wootsy thing where he was using the uh, sitcom names. This is the same movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was... It was... That was half a joke, so... Yeah, really, yeah. I remember liking it. I liked how he uh, he had this narration going on, like he was super cool and everything, but then he was, like, messing up all the time. I yeah. did like that. I did like that. That was a good gag, but overall it just felt like there was something missing, some element that it just didn't click. Yeah, making a character, a main character, have some vulnerable qualities usually helps you know because if they're just super duper badass and they can't be touched well that you know that itself gets boring after a while mm-hmm. when they're just dispatching everyone who comes near them it's, it gets a little dull so it's it's good if somebody could be like oh no i'm gonna i'm gonna get shot i just hope that david fincher did this film in exchange for something from netflix <laughs> like another season of mindhunter or mm. Some, I don't know. Something director's that, cut of Alien Cubed. Yeah, <laughs> we've all been waiting for it. Yes. Uh, then I watched a couple uh, outdoor revenge movies. I guess would be the subgenre. Uh, neither of them were very good. The first one was Rust Creek from 2019. Uh, a uh, young lady off to college breaks down and has to run through the woods and then she meets up with this guy who's cooking math and there's this kind of sappy rom com love story between the two. That's <laughs> a meet-cute cooking myth. <laughs> yeah, it's like a meet-cute Breaking Bad or something. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> it was, yeah. It's about what you would think with that synopsis. And they kiss till their teeth fall out. Yeah, their teeth are already falling out, yep. Of course, he's a sensitive chemist who just happens to be cooking meth sure. for his uh, cousins who are hillbillies. Very uh, sensitive to other people's health. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Are they, pan- uh, are they panther billies? <laughs> unfortunately, they were not panther billies. But... If you guess that the local sheriff may be in on it. Mm. You may be right. <laughs> You'll see that coming a mile away is what you're yeah, saying. You're like, mm, that cop's evil. Join Southern. You never watched True Blood, did you? No. Yeah, there were some shape-shifting hillbillies that turned into panthers. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a spoiler to say that. And Will affectionately dubbed them the Panther Billies. Panther Billies. Okay. Yeah. I think I need to make that like a sports-style logo. That we could put on, yeah, yeah. just printed in like purple on like a heathered gray shirt. Baseball shirts. Yeah. I think that would be nice. Panther billies. People would be like, who's that? Oh, they're from Alabama. You wouldn't know them. (laughs) 
from Louisiana. <laughs> actually, that's true. If we're gonna if we're gonna actually bring bring the joke around, the, yeah, yeah, we're in Louisiana. Bon Tom. Yeah. Boy, that show was off the rails oh, immediately. Did, crashing through. <laughs> it didn't take scrub long. Scrub brush on the side. Of the... It did not take long. They're like, we're gonna add fairies and goblins and this and that, and it's like, okay, so what else you got? Don't ask, <laughs> because they got more. You know, um, Vampire Diaries was the same sort of way. They didn't let you stop to think about how stupid the show was. They're just like, nope, we're, you know, they just keep, keep going, keep going. They just keep slugging on. at you with more stupid. You know, yeah. All right. They start off with some demon opening hell or something. And you think, oh, this will be the whole season. Nope, that's resolved by the end of the first episode <laughs> oh. and something bigger has come along. <laughs> Oh, okay. And it just keeps building, and then you're you're trying to keep all these people together, and you're, sometimes you catch them, and you're like, I think they cheated. I don't think they showed that guy get out of that last situation. I think you mm. just skipped the cliffhanger. Hmm. So I'll put that on the to-don't-watch list. Uh, then I watched something called Killing Ground, which was an Australian film. It's a little too nasty for... For what I was looking for. Like Wolf Creek nasty? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't probably that, that rough, but. That was the first test. It was a little mean. I mean, mean I don't know. A mean spirited movie. And then once the yeah. revenge rolled around, it seemed a little more lighthearted. I don't know. Hmm. There was something wrong there. Uh. I don't know if I ever kind told... of neat play with the with the storyline, you don't quite know what's going on. At the time. So, so but there's you some... know something terrible is going to happen. <laughs> but it's clever. You get flashes of that. You're like, mm, when are these people and these people are these happening at the same time? No, they're clearly these people are t- a week ahead of the other people. Uh-huh. Uh, and then finally, I watched something called The Bean. From 1983 that stars Martin Landau. Hmm. Um, he's creating, he, I don't remember, somebody's creating some sort of animal man. And Martin Landau just chews the fuck out of the scenery for 90 minutes. <laughs> nice. He is incredible. Excellent. It is just like. He's freaking out in every mm. scene. I'll have to write this down. Yeah, it's on Tubi. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I was going to tell you that uh, I blurted out the thing about uh, Wolf Creek. That was the first test of of our relationship. <clears throat> like the date movie. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't even like we went out for it. It was like I had a whole list of this. Is back when Netflix would send you discs, mm. and. Uh, like a couple of discs showed up and I peeled the little Tyvek envelope open and went, oh, yeah, Wolf Creek and something else. And, uh, on 34th Street. Which right. would you want to watch for Christmas, dear? <laughs> right. I've not seen Wolf Creek. <clears throat> We'd only been together like four or five months. <laughs> it's it's pretty... one, of the, one of those rom coms about the Northwest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Wolf Creek. Uh, it's an Australian rom-com. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> it was hard to watch for me. It was, it was rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jolene, what about you? What do you watch? Yeah, I saw Wolf Creek once. Yeah, that's, <laughs> once. that's enough. Didn't, it, didn't need to see it Wolf takes, Creek It starts too. off right where my brother lives. So. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. And it's based on Filmed some actual events. House. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not one of those movies where it's loosely based. I guess it's somewhat closely based yeah. on the events. Yeah, I didn't have fun with it at all. It's not a fun movie. It doesn't set no. out to be, really. No, it no. doesn't. And uh, It's mean. Yeah, and the other thing was the uh, the people acted so stupid. That was my big critique so of I it. I couldn't root for him. Yeah, they could have gotten loose. They could have hit him over the head with a board when he wasn't looking. Yeah, there's several instances where they could have got away, but... Half a dozen times they, they could have gotten out of it. Would have been a lot shorter film. Yeah. Well, It'd be they great live. though for just a twist. Like you're like, oh, this guy's a total psycho. Yeah, you it's know, gonna be the most dangerous game, and they shoot him in the head right away. Get a taste for it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You mentioned psycho. Now I have to say, uh, th- that was my pick for New Year's. My my first psycho? Good, okay. good movie of the year. Wolf or Wolf Creek? Uh, no, Psycho. Uh, and and it and it. Talking about Wolf Creek and... That would set you up for the year. Yep. Can't get worse. <laughs> Can't get worse. Right. Um, what if... Oh, in, I in watched this... Martyrs the day after. Oh, oh, fuck. What am I doing to myself? And then I did a Ken Russell film fest. Yeah. Um, but what if somebody were to do a movie like Wolf Creek, but use the Hitchcock psycho approach and have the bad guy get yeah. offed in the first... 20, 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. And just, you'd have to use your yeah, imagination where to take it from there. Where is this going from here? Yeah. Because yeah, everyone would be like, oh shit. Mother really was alive in the basement. <laughs> and now she's pissed. Yep. So Julian, go ahead. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, I had a fun Christmas. Uh, well, Christmas itself was fun. There's things going on with family members. That was, that was horrendous. But um, anyway, uh, the, I brought you some winnings from the crackers, Christmas crackers. Oh yeah. Who likes who likes these horrible things? Oh, uh, let's see. Puzzles, as they used to call them. Let me see the puzzle. I bet I can undo that. Get some wire snips. I think this is a cufflink. Oh yeah, there's a pair of cufflinks as well. Oh. Oh wow, those <laughs> were enjoy. Really? Those were some high-end so, crackers. Do you want to hear some uh, uh, cracker jokes? Yes. Sure. Uh, can you briefly tell the listeners who aren't familiar with a Christmas cracker what it is? <laughs> They would get a white guy in England, <laughs> yeah. bring him in on Christmas, Decent and they'd throw up. Brussels sprouts at him, <laughs> which was traditional. Some people use cauliflower now. It's not traditional. Well, they first began with, um, the, the, uh, he, he's, he was a manufacturer of sweets, and uh, he put a, a, like his powder into the sweet wrappers that when you pulled them apart, it, it cracked, and there was like a spark. Okay, yeah. So these developed into these, um, these like, Christmas paper tubes. And if you grip them tight at either end, and there's this, like, um, thing inside it, which Pops. makes a little explosion. Yeah. And, and you, you get a gift and a, a joke, which is always bad, and uh, a, a paper hat. Paper crown, yeah. Yeah. And you can get really fancy ones where they have, like, actual flashy presents inside, but... Like drugs and money. Yeah, so you, you just pull them at the start of your Christmas meal. Everyone looks stupid. Helps to break the ice. Yes. The jokes are bad, so everyone, you know, Gross. has a has a 
grown together. So, for example, uh, what do you call a snow monster that has a six pack? Hmm. Don't know. The abdominal snowman. The abdominal snowman. All right. What do snowmen call their offspring? Uh, I don't know. Snow babies. Children. Children. Oh, it's almost a joke. Why is it getting harder to buy advent calendars? Uh, I don't know. Because their days are numbered. Jeez. There you go. Uh, Did you notice I uh, solved the puzzle? Oh, very good. Thank you. All right. Barely Uh, heard the soldering iron. Yeah. um, If you just pull this link real hard, it bends open. Slip that right off. No, I, I had one of this type of puzzle that was made of actual horseshoes, and uh, so oh, yeah. I, so I know how to solve it. I'll show I remember you. the horseshoe puzzle. Yeah, so you put the uh, you put the ring diagonally across the middle links. I always put it pointed left, and then you just push the two ends together. This is great podcast boom let's watch wow. you solve puzzles <laughs> we'll let people wonder if this is actually also a video podcast which it's not people who are watching the video right now you can yeah. see yeah well maybe we'll put a video on Our instagram Patreon. maybe we won't all right i'll um i'll go through these in order and then you can scream at me to stop please stop okay uh christmas eve we watched uh, white christmas 1954 michael curtis Mm-hmm. You've all seen this. Bing Crosby. Uh, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, Aunt of George. Vera Ellen, Bing Crosby, Dean Jagger, who is in X the Unknown a couple of years later. Uh, the dancers include Barry Chase and George Chakiris. Hmm. And then uh, after that, we watched Black Christmas. All right. <laughs> from 1974, directed by Bob Clark. Watched it in 4K, looks great, still creepy. Uh, I forgot how sad a lot of it is. Um breakneck tone shifts but it works mm-hmm. love it yeah uh christmas day we watched peanuts we watched uh edward scissorhands uh which has vincent price in it mm-hmm. have you all seen that one? Oh yeah, oh yeah several times johnny depp winona Ryder, diane west stands yeah. up stands up pretty well i remember being much more impressed by it when it came out yeah well though it was early in the days of tim burton yeah back in 1990 but he was on a roll then oh yeah, yeah. Pee-wee it's and Batman and, yeah. Uh, and we watched some uh, creatures, Creature Comforts. Um, and then we watched uh, Wonderful World of the Brothers Grimm, 1962. Directed by Henry Levin and George Powell. Mm. Um, it stars Lawrence Harvey as Wilhelm and Karl-Heinz Boehm as Jakob Grimm. The, the, uh, the brothers who recorded the folk tales, the fairy mm-hmm. tales. Um it's got Yvette Minmew, uh, Russ Tamblin, Terry Thomas, Buddy Hackett. I watched this. It's a Cinerama fantasy. Uh, it's in, uh, when you get the discs, it has it in uh, widescreen, or you can watch it in Smilebox. What a smile. Which, which is where they, uh, it's like a it's curve. curve. Yeah. So it kind of gives the impression of watching it on the huge, you know, the Cinerama, Cinerama, where it's like enclosing you. Um <laughs> Uh, doesn't make the story of the Brothers Grimm compelling, but it all looks great. It's a stunning restoration. It's just amazing. I'm like, like uh, I've watched this film several times over the years, and and it's uh, it's always looked terrible, mm. but they really did this amazing job on it. Um, 
And we watched uh, Doctor Who, John Pertwee, season three. I've got that for Emily for Christmas. Uh, this is the season which has the Sea Devils and Day of the Daleks in it. Um, the last two episodes of the season have Ingrid Pitt, Susan Ban- Panhaligon, and David Prowse. Wow. So three Hammer veterans, all playing Atlanteans. <laughs> hmm. uh, watched uh, Women of the Prehistoric Planet from 1966. Oh, have you seen this one? God, yes, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Mystery Science Theatre. <sighs> yeah. Favourite. Uh, directed by Arthur C. Pierce, who also did Beyond the Time Barrier, which we'll come back yeah. to. Um, this stars Irene Sue, Robert Ito, John Agar, Wendell Corey, who seems drunk all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh my lord. Um, terrible. Wasn't he hilarious? <laughs> it also stars Stuart Margolin, who was on The Rockford Files. Oh. He plays one of the. One of the everyday kind of yeah. astronauts who makes bad jokes with him, you know. He oh, he's the comedian. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is um, this is terrible, but it's got a clunky message about miscegenation, and the Asian American leads are more likable than the whole white man crew of stiffs, alcoholics, and teeth grindingly bad comics. So that's yep. the fella. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, nineteen seventy-one. Directed by Mel Stewart. Uh, I hadn't realised the screenplay was co-written by David Seltzer. Oh. Of The Omen. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So, thinking of interesting ways to kill off people even then. Yes. Um, Beyond the Time Barrier, 1960. Directed by Edgar G. Ulmer. A test pilot takes flight in 1960 and lands in the plague-ravaged, mutant-infested world of 2024. Ooh. Wow, 2024? Like, that's never going to happen. No. If man yeah, is still alive. There's two uh, science fiction movies set in 2024 that were made back before. Yeah. <laughs> so there's Beyond the Time Barrier and A uh, Boy and His Dog. Oh. Oh, that's right, that's with Don Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, then my first film of the year, you know, I have this tradition of I wanted to see one of my top 10 films as mm-hmm. the first movie I pick of the year. Uh, so this year I uh, watched King Kong. The original. 1933. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I haven't watched it that many times, as I've said before, because it's so upsetting. <laughs> oh, yeah. The gorilla is terribly mistreated. Um, Anne Darrow and Jack Driscoll are set to be married the day King Kong is killed. Mm. Uh, the cleaner version shows differences between live action and special effects more clearly, but also shows what a huge leap forward they were. Uh, same techniques in use for decades. Yeah, Willis yeah. O'Brien. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, and his whole team. You know, all the yeah. uh, the matte shots and the painting and stuff. And like these are techniques that lasted for decades on, until computers replaced them. Yeah, basically. So. They worked. Um, Treasure Island, the 1989 version. This is directed by Fraser Clark Heston, son of Lydia Clark and Charlton Heston. Hmm. Um, this is one of the more faithful adaptations, I would say, but not at the expense of being a well-made film and doesn't skimp on the grabbiness, cussing or gore of the book. Wow. Uh, Christian Bale, young Christian Bale, very young, yes. as Jim Hawkins. Oliver Reed, Christopher Lee, Richard Johnson, Peter Postlethwaite. I remember this one now. Yeah, yeah. it's a good one. Uh, Valley of the Dragons, 1961, directed by Edward Burns, who directed Return the Fly. Uh, there's a dueling Frenchman 
and Irishmen who were swept up by a comet and deposited in footage from 1 million BC, from 1940. Uh, There's fist fights and snoo snoo. Also features <laughs> footage from King Dinosaur, 1955, and Rodan from 1956. And sources say the giant spider is from Catwomen of the Moon or World Without End. But the heroes interact with it, and it's not hairy, so I don't think so. No. Uh, based on Jules Verne's career of the comet, the albino troglodytes would have scared me as a child. They're kind of more lockish. Hmm. Um, El Vampiro from 1957, directed by Fernando Mendes. Uh, Great-looking gothic horror starring Abel Salazar as the doctor investigating a vampire-blighted land ruled over by Count Karol de Lavud of Hungary, who's played by Roman Robles, and Eloisa, played by Carmen Monteo, is followed by The Vampire's Coffin the next year and cut up for U.S. consumption in the 1960s. First vampire film since Nosferatu to show fangs. Interesting. And this is from Spain? Uh, Mexico. Mexico. Mexico, okay. So, uh, yeah, um, the Hammer Dracula wasn't till the next year. Wow. Uh, Passion in the Sun, 1964, directed by Dale Berry, who directed The Weird Ones. Uh, a stripper is kidnapped by two gangsters, and they run into an escaped fairground geek. That's oh. the plot. That wow. sounds fantastic. The heroine does her routine, or skinny dips, or dreams about strip routines. <laughs> <laughs> you get a quarter hour of the same three-second riff looping over and over. Wow. Uh, excruciating. Filmed in Texas. Wow. Just keeps getting better. <laughs> Teenage Strangler from 1964. Oh. So, <laughs> what a year. Yeah, wow. This more, is a real, real good film. <laughs> more regional shenanigans. This time in West Virginia and with color and synchro sound. Uh, high school girls are being murdered by a thrill killer, as they used to call serial killers back in the day, who might be one of the local gang, the Bulldogs. Uh, highlights include a rendition of Yipe Stripes oh. and a wonderfully hideous sculpture in one of the suburbanites' houses. Oh. It's like this <laughs> like Greek classical nudes, but kind of piled together and one's been eaten by a giant clam. It's really weird. Yeah. Wow. It was my favourite part of the movie. The yipe stripes haunt your dreams. Uh, This went out on a double bill with A Taste of Blood. Mm. That's a good evening. One of Herb Alpert's less popular (laughs) albums. (laughs) Uh, Voice of the Moon from 1989, directed by Federico Fellini. Uh, Enchanting and often... Some Italian guy, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Enchanting and often dazzling as you'd expect. Not sure what was going on for most of it, but the on-screen narrators are both described as lunatics and the off-screen creator was improvising day-to-day from images rather than following a script. So uh, towards the end, there's a disco scene done to Michael Jackson's The Way You Make Me Feel, which I've seen critics describe as infernal and a critique of modern noise, but it seemed more of a celebration of youthful joy to me. It didn't seem pretty harmless. Hmm. Um You'd have to find 80s movie punks threatening to think it was a depiction of a circle of hell. Um, and I watched uh, Parts, The Clonus Horror. Oh, my God. <laughs> a lot of groaners just... in this list. Wow. <laughs> have you seen this one? Yes. <laughs> so, it's from 1979, Robert uh, S. Fiveson. Have you seen this one? No, I don't think so. Okay, so this was made for $350,000. It was basically a student film. Uh, although I thought it was a good thriller. Yeah. 
Um, Peter Graves. Yeah. Keenan uh, Wen. Yeah. Uh, you can guess much of it from the title. <laughs> uh, clones are raised in an isolated community. When they peak, they're sent to, quote, America, which is actually the lab where they're processed and stored, ready for the elite to harvest, including a presidential candidate played by Peter Graves. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them are kept mentally weak, but a couple are left with more reasoning as controls. Uh, one gets out and makes it to a reporter, played by Keenan Wynn. Uh, but that's not the end of it, unfortunately. Uh, did okay at the box office and made a chunk more change when the makers sued over similarities to The Island, 2005. Yep, it is. It, so this movie got cloned. Plot. Yeah. It did get cloned. Uh, and then uh, back to that Italian fella again. Uh, watched Intervista, 1987. This is the last Fellini film I haven't seen. Uh, perhaps the happiest of Fellini's movies. It's a film about a film being made about a film being made. Um <laughs> Presented as a stage play. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a fantasy autobiography of Fellini's earliest days at Cinecitta. Uh, several people turn up playing themselves. Fellini, of course, Marcello Mastriani, dressed as Mandrake. Oh. And Anita Ekberg, because Fellini used to be a comics writer. And oh, that's right. He did the uh, Italian version of Flash Gordon and Superman. Yeah. When the American ones were banned. Uh, Anita Ekberg's in it Uh, Argento fans will recognise Christian Borromeo from Tenebrae who plays Christian one of the photographers and then I watched uh, Orchestra Rehearsal from 1978 Federico Fellini again I should explain that Emily had to go away for several days so I just binged on Fellini art movies and trash Um, so Orchestra Rehearsal set up as a TV documentary on the rehearsal but of course it's not uh, various conflicts degenerate into anarchy and violence, much like Italy of the time. So it's easy to read as a political metaphor. But again, this is Fellini, so it's not, or at least that's not all, all it is. Um, Christian Borromeo is in this one too. I hadn't realised. Um, Face of Another from 1966, directed by Hiroshi Teshigahara, who did Woman in the Dunes. Oh, okay. Uh, he's also the son of the founder of the um, Ikebana school I studied at. Oh, um, wow. Sugetsu Ryu. Um, so this one has Tatsuya Nakadai, who plays a man whose face is burned off, which leaves him bitter and self outcast and looking like the invisible man. Once he gets a lifelike mask applied, his identity is even more refracted. Now he looks like Tatsuya Nagadai, but it's not him. Uh, lots of stylized visuals, lots of mirrors, doubling, glassy music by Toru Takamitsu. Uh, my favourite scene is where the masking is flipped and the main character is the only one who's you can see his real face and he's in a crowd of people in masks. Ooh. It's really eerie. Uh, reminded me of this, uh, there's a particular yokai called the Noporabo. Anyway, um, Curse of the Dog God from 1977, Shunya Ito. Uh, given that it was conceived as a Japanese response to The Exorcist and The Omen and from the director of the first three Scorpion films, I was hoping for some wild excess and it does get a little crazy from time to time, but mostly it's a tragedy about two families at either end of the social scale in a village coming to grief because of the intrusion of a mining operation. Two dogs and a bunch of fish die. Uh, the dogs do not die for real. Good. Good. Don't hold out much hope for the fish, though. Mm. Probably not. <laughs> they she... don't have as good agents as dogs. <laughs> Shall I go on? 
Sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, Pitfall, 961. This is another Hiroshi Teshigahara. I just opened up my box set. Um, Teshigahara's feature film debut. Uh, like a lot of first-time movies, it throws a lot at the wall. Uh, social documentary, political conspiracy theory, thriller, um, ghost story, Shades of Kafka and Bunuel. Uh, it's about this miner who reports for a job at a ghost town and is murdered by an assassin dressed all in white. The miner's ghost sticks around to see what happens with his son, who is a witness, and his doppelganger and others drawn into some anti-union plot. And as more people get killed, more ghosts find themselves uselessly standing around watching events. Wow. Very sweaty. Wow. Frog is tortured. Oh. Uh, Woman chasing the butterfly of death. (laughs) Um, A.K.A. Killer Butterfly. 1978, directed by Kim Ki Hyung, uh, who who directed The Housemaid in 1960. Okay. It's a pretty famous Korean yeah. thriller. Um, a morbid man encounters a series of strange people. First one tries to take him with her in a murder suicide. The second one is a book salesman with an iron will whom he can't get rid of, even by stabbing, burial, or burning. Does this stop him going back to class at college? No. Uh, then he finds a skeleton in the cave, which, when you just add water, turns into a 2,000-year-old demoness with a hunger for love and human liver. That goes as well as you might expect. So then he goes to work for an anthropologist who has some connection to someone who decapitates corpses while dressed up as a butterfly. Yeah, as one would do. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty average movie. Pretty standard. Uh, Suddenly in the Dark, 1981, another Korean one, directed by Ko Young Nam. Uh, more butterfly hunter mystery from Korea. Husband brings housemaid home. Housemaid's the daughter of a shaman and carries a sinister doll. The wife fears the doll and her husband having an affair with a housemaid. Is it gaslighting or illness or the occult at work? Nicely done, but treads water for about half an hour until we actually get to the stuff suddenly happening in the, in the dark. And I was tired of seeing lots of kaleidoscope, kaleidoscopic shots. Uh, there were talks of a remake in these less censored times, which might be interesting. Uh, The most original facet of the plot was that the wife is way more erotically fascinated by the maid than the husband, which they could only take so far in the early 80s career. Um, Uses part of the Flash Gordon soundtrack (laughs) by Queen and Howard Blake. I was going to say that. Not the, like, stuff. It's it's not the more uh, spectral stuff they played during love scenes and so on. Oh, okay. Um, the Designated Victim, 1971, a.k.a. Slam Out, directed by Maurizio Lucidi. Um, this is a giallo starring Thomas Millian. Starts off with a strangers on a train scenario between him and a count, but spirals into a paranoid dismantling of Millian's fudged life because of the mysterious count's love for him and extreme experiences. Plays it too classy to be a fun giallo, but the locations, especially Misty Venice and Lake Cuomo, are gorgeous. Mm. Yes. Very nice. So I stop there. I mean, if you wish. Are there any other highlights? Oh, plenty. Of course, they're all great. (laughs) Well, it's 45 minutes into the thing. I mean, we could probably talk. How much are we going to talk about? All right, I'll just just do one Bollywood one. Yeah, tell us a Bollywood. Uh, Atma from 2006, directed by Deepak Ramsey. Apart from the fashions and gym, buddy, gym bunny bodies, 
this could have come straight out of the Ramsey Brothers 1980s heyday and it's a lot of fun um, it's in that box I lent to you okay. um, there's a pre-credits exorcism which may or may not play into the plot uh, several musical numbers before the interval including a song performed by Asha Bosley but none after it as it focuses on the story of a vengeful ghost hopping between bodies of the living and striking at the gang who killed him as well as the family of the doctor they forced into a false post-mortem report wow <laughs> it's quite a plot yes it's very entertaining um so our movie we're going to talk about is the 1973 um did they just put an andy warhol sticker on this i mean really yeah to, he, be, to be clear he, he talked it over with uh, paul morrissey before they made it but he didn't have anything to do with it actually. no real production now he's like mm, sounds great go ahead and do that um it's a 1973 horror movie, Flesh for Frankenstein, written and directed by Paul Morrissey, starring Udo Kier, Joe D'Alessandro, Monique Van Voren, and Arno Urigling. <laughs> can't, I can't say that name. Um, doesn't matter. Arno didn't do much in the movie. Interiors were filmed in uh, Sincitia in Rome uh, by a crew of Italian filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the quick overview of you know what what the making of the film had to do with the actors and the director. But um, this was released in the United States as Andy Warhol's Frankenstein because Warhol was a huge name. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could only give it more popularity, more traction in the U.S. So why not? Um, well, the, the, uh, the title doesn't really show up on the print, which is funny. So it's just on the poster, I believe. What, the Andy Warhol bit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like they just sent the same print over. Uh, now, this this was initially rated X by the MPAA because of the explicit sexuality and nudity in it. Um, boy, by today's standards, I mean, they're not, like, recently, you, you're not seeing a lot of sex in movies, but if we just look at stuff we have lying around, this isn't... Just lying around. Yes, it's just movies we have lying around. A pile of penthouse magazines lying yeah. around. Yeah, like the good old days. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, watching this for the first time, not knowing it was Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, because you just said, flesh for Frankenstein. Mm. Uh, I started watching it and I went, oh, clearly there was some 3D going on here at some yes. point. <laughs> Very conspicuous uh, sticking things at the camera. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's... Kind of all I got to intro this thing. Jolien, you picked this. Why? Uh, well, I, I, it's Andy Warhol's Frankenstein. Yes. No, it ain't. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is Andy Warhol's uh, review of it. Um, yeah, I saw it on a corner. It, it was prosecuted as a video nasty. Mm-hmm. So I had to see it. Um, so this was released in the UK with a minute cut theatrically. And then it was prosecuted as a video nasty in the 1980s. And then it was released uncut in 1996, and then it was shown on UK TV in 2009. Prime um, time, uncensored. So, yeah. Christmas viewing. Yeah, right after Wolf Creek, every every Christmas. Wow. It's <laughs> the Queen's message, and then it was Wolf Creek and Andy Warhol's Frankenstein. Uh, um. So, yeah, so I had to see it, and I, I got to see it eventually on tape, and it was, like, uh, cropped, and it looked terrible. Didn't like it much. Um, and now I've seen it in this pristine new restoration that Vinegar Syndrome did. 
Mm. And, uh, you can get this box set with like the 3D and flat versions in it. Wow. Um, looks gorgeous. Still don't like it. Yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> going to say this. This is the movie they showed the guy for Andy Warren Hall's movie where a guy sleeps for two hours or whatever. You know, this is the Warhol Cinematic Universe tie-in. Yes. They did one called Empire, which was like 24-hour long film, just a static shot of the Empire State Building. Yeah. That would test my patience. Yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard this too. And it, it's like, is he just seeing how much people will put up with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think at this point he's like, no, I'm, I'm an artist. This is my art. Well, apparently he was talking about making this one with Paul Morrissey and, and they, they was just so disgusted with art films that they wanted to make an art anti-art film so they basically made a bad hammer film <laughs> yeah they wanted to make something that critics wouldn't be able to write about is, is what he said oh um but they they were really uh annoyed with films like last tango in paris mm. and like the, the the famous quote from this film is a parody of what marlon brando says in last tango in paris where oh. you have all this sex and like you know anal sex and but then it tries to pass it off as being a profound statement on alienation blah, blah, blah. yeah so it's, they wanted to make a film and it's like nah <laughs> this is just outrageous uh disgusting filth yeah here you go there's no no profoundity here yeah um, just you know, just being honest. So nobody tried to say, "Oh, there's things you should be reading between the lines." Nobody even tried Not to claim part that. Not the makers. Some critics, yes. Okay. Yeah, it does. It does seem like the critics can read something into anything. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's the beauty of art. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you can know, even if they didn't put that in there. If you can pull it out of there, you're getting something out of it. Uh, I didn't get much out of this movie, but well, they just kind of bounce, you know, in in taking notes while I was watching it, which I haven't done in a long time. I just notice how they just keep bouncing from one pair of people to the other pair of people, or you know, I shouldn't say pair, but group of people. Like it's the it's the Baroness and the two kids, and then it's the couple that keeps getting caught making out then it's um oh and did did either of you notice that uh the 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 hunchback equivalent uh otto otto kind of looked like mary from the uh lord of the rings oh no he looked like that yeah that one hobbit that one (laughs) hobbit the singing one what's up with that one hobbit yeah Yeah, what's up with the hobbits lately? What's up with the hobbits lately? You don't hear about the hobbits anymore. No. They were running around saving rings or something, and now nothing. Yeah, I mean, and you, you look at, like, um, this This movie's just trying to be this, this visual thing at first. You have this Gustav Klimt wallpaper, mm. and you've got all this really interesting lab equipment and these tile walls yeah. and everything. There's a, uh, there's a, a painting of Salome, um, uh, Franz Stuck mm-hmm. in her bedroom. That's, mm-hmm. That was nice. Yeah. We've got all this really cool kind of set design stuff going on. Yeah. Or set decoration. And, and the lab looks great. 
yeah, the lab is really cool. Kind of reminded me of Rocky Horror Picture Show a little bit. Yes, yes, yeah. it's kind of got that vaguely uh, sort of um, swimming pool sort of atmosphere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the and the equipment's all really cool looking. You know mm-hmm. the 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 tilting tables that they've got the bodies on. This is all really cool looking stuff. Yeah, um, not a lot of substance to the movie, but there's some stuff to look at. Uh, when they're stitching up the bodies, they just seem like they were stitching up mannequins. They weren't really selling it. Yeah. They said they were really stiff and hollow. Just jam the two bits together and just start sewing. Yeah. And it was even making hollow noises when they were sewing. Um, but then there's this big idea that they're going to go to a bordello and they're going to find the kind of people who would frequent a place like that and take one of them out. Yeah. Cause he wants, he wants to create a couple. He wants to create a, uh, Two creatures, uh, his own Adam and Eve, Serbian super people, uh-huh. that he will make a new race with, which will be under his control. Yeah. So he uh, he decides that the best head to stick on the male monster is going to be the guy who's the horniest. Uh-huh. So he decides to go to haunt the local brothel and uh, see who sticks his head out at the end of the day and take that. Now, are, are we to understand that he's so happy with the body that he's figured out, mm-hmm. he just needs a better head on it? Because otherwise, why yeah. wouldn't he just go knock this dude, you know, over the head and kill him and then reanimate him if that's what he's doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, or why even kill him? Just, you know, it's like he's got a nice looking head. He's a horny dude. Yeah. Let's let's grab him. And he needs to be super tall for some reason. And he, he needs to have the perfect nussum. And, th- and this guy is tall. Like, I don't know how they hid that early in the movie. Yeah, that was, that was well done. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, here here you go. And this dude is like seven feet tall. Yeah. It's crazy. And the, and the, um, and the female creature is obviously a model. And I, of course, clicked on the link and, yep, she's a model. Yeah. Uh, Dalila Dilazano, who had been in Frankenstein 80. Mm-hmm. And she, she later plays the headmistress in Phenomena. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. Um, the little girl popped up in uh, yeah. a couple of Gialli. Nicoletta Elmi. She was in Baron Blood, The Night Child, Deep Red. Yeah. Uh, Demons. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah, she just made the right connections, apparently. <laughs> she, she's the go-to creepy girl for Italian movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because gingers have no soul. <laughs> translates well across film um yeah so did you like the uh the piece of equipment they brought for head chopping (laughs) it looked like something wily coyote would use (laughs) acme head lopper yes in fact i did make a note here it was an acme grade tool (laughs) and it does not disappoint they just chop a head off yeah and then of course the uh the the tempera paint looking blood runs out that was good color yeah. In that scene, yeah, there were some other scenes where it was a little too on the orange side and too mm. opaque. It's too good. orange. You can't have too orange. <laughs> the tomato soupier it looks, the better. <laughs> well, there's there's Andy Warhol's fingerprints all over it. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, the 3D got really obvious right around here in the movie. Um, the Baroness is really acting very prudish until this point in the movie. And she recruits one of the farmhand guys to be kind of her... Uh, yeah, she was my favorite performance. Yeah, yeah. She, she was She was good. Monique Van Vuren. 
She was in Tarzan and the She-Devil. Oh, yeah. As the She-Devil. Nice. <laughs> I've never seen it. Uh, she was in Batman. She played Miss Clean. I don't oh, remember really? that at all. Wow, no. Wow. I have to look those up. And I love the way she says, Picnic. <laughs> yes. Uh, was it the 66 Batman movie or the series? The series. Okay. Series. Yeah. Yeah, because all kinds of crazy crap happened in that movie. Um, so uh, the electrical effects when they are shocking the bodies to life, that mm. was that was fun. Mm. They showed some sparking and arcing stuff and then the bodies are vibrating. That was yes. all right. Didn't mind that. So why did you not like it? Yeah, Will. It was just dull. Yeah. It was so, so dull. Was it? It was hard to watch. It was so dull. You kept, it looked beautiful. You yes. You kept waiting for something to happen. <laughs> and then you'd see, you know, mannequin parts or something. It's just, you know, the Frankenstein's trying to chew the scenery, but he's just either not going far enough or going too far. I don't know. Yeah, you could I tell did, he didn't understand what he was saying. Yeah, he was he did, was not good. <laughs> did he learn his lines phonetically? Well, so there's two things that affect the, <laughs> the deliveries in this movie. Apart from the actors are just terrible. I won't name names. Yep. Um, <laughs> Udo Kier has done great work. So we know he's, he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. But what happened was... Um, uh, Paul Morrissey wanted to do all the dialogue as an improvisation. Gets to Italy, realizes he's working with a bunch of people who don't speak English as their first language. Although uh, uh, Monique Van Voren speaks like half a dozen languages, amazing. Yeah. But um, he so he gets to Italy, he realizes he can't do that. So each morning, as he's on his way to set, he's, he's writing dialogue lines. with a, an Italian writer. Uh, so it's like uh, shooting a soap opera. People are having to deal with lines. They don't know the context or the meaning yeah. right then and there. So you can see them sometimes reading cue cards or just saying things phonetically. And, and, if, you're yeah. make, and if you're making up the dialogue on the spot like that, it, it might sound a little, little more stilted, less refined. Mm. Yeah, it was definitely stilted at places. Yeah. yeah so, so most of the cast, I don't blame them for not. Yeah. Delivering believable yeah. dialogue. Yeah, not making chicken soup out of chicken shit. <laughs> <laughs> As it were. Is that a Warhol reference? Uh, you know, <laughs> back to the Campbell soup. Um, the braces looked like something from uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier. The, the body braces. The neck and the arm and the yeah. uh, torso braces. I thought those were kind of stylish looking. Cool, you know. You put that over a, a blousy shirt and get the right pants and shoes with it, and you can go out clubbing. Well, apparently, when uh, Dilly Lazaro was wearing those uh, that metal corset thing for the dinner scene, she fainted because it was so tight. Oh, oh. She, had a, she had a pretty horrible time during the actual shoot. Oh, so that wasn't acting. She she loved it at night though because um, they rented a villa, and because of, like the Andy Warhol connection, all that crowd would just like come along and visit. So they had like. Uh, Elton John and Bianca Jagger and stuff, and it, it was just party city. Oh, wow. Drugs, alcohol. You could drink Maybe. and do a lot of drugs in that corset because it kept you propped up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so the creepy kids, do you think this added to the movie or do you think it took away from it, Will? 
always adds to a movie. You can't have a shallow-like movie without some creepy kids. Hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a scene where this is right after a scene where the Baron isn't really answering direct questions very well at all. He's just kind of like, nope, not going to answer that. <laughs> just going to change the subject. Uh, he goes off and does something else. The creepy kids sneak into the lab to mm-hmm. steal a hand. Yeah. They open a cabinet that's got a heart and lungs yes. mm-hmm. and some lighting effects on it. I think that was the one, one of the scenes that's directed by An- Anthony uh, Margariti. Oh. Oh. The, he was like second unit, but that's like one of the things that he did himself. That's a whole controversial thing about whether he actually did. Yeah, uh, uh, as far as I can tell, uh, he signed his name as if he directed it for the Italian quota. Mm. But he didn't actually do it. And he, he said so himself. He, he didn't actually direct it. Yeah, that that was a legality thing. Mm. Like Toby they, they Hooper. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Smithy. Um yeah, the uh, yeah the creepy kids steal a hand and then they get startled by rats and and uh, bats. Yeah, bats and strings. Yeah, a bit of three D there. Yep, and it was that was kind of a cool scene. I mean, it didn't save the movie from being a little a little dull, but it was. And, and I like when they're looking through the, uh, the there's always mirrors in the bedroom which have the paintings over them and some of it scratched away. So yeah, the can, silver is scratched so off. They, yeah, these kids looking through these scratched away paintings. Yeah, these good images. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, that was kind of cool, watching the spying. Yeah, there's a part where the Baron is spying on his his wife having weird armpit sex with that dude. <laughs> the armpit yeah. S- sucking. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. Hey, it's got to be somebody's kink, right? Yeah. Wink, no, wink. She, she seemed to like it. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah there, um, Udo Kier uh, was on record as saying that that dude didn't direct... He was he was very emphatic about it. Uh, he was well. The quote I look at here it sounds like he was a little shouty about it. But um, solid caps. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Margariti was on the set. He came to the studio from time to time, but he never directed the actors. Never. <laughs> so, yeah. But that was to make sure that the uh, the film would, like we were saying, obtain. The, the quota for the Italian nationality within the Italian laws of filmmaking, mm. whatever that's about. Uh, well, every country has that. You have to have a, a, a percentage of locals working on the film uh, mm-hmm. to get funding. I was going to say they, they're certainly not worried about copyright law. I mean, it, it's case in point, Jaws, <laughs> all the Italian shark exploitation movies. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything you I mean, other than a few visuals, was there anything that really worked for you, Will? Mm. We know the dullness didn't work. The dullness. The did stilted not dialogue work. didn't work. No. Um, the fact. <laughs> other the, than the visuals, there wasn't a lot going on for me. Yeah, the the, the characters I had a hard time staying awake. It's only eighty-five minutes or something. It felt like it was about three and a half right. hours. It just kept going yeah. and going. And, yeah, you push the button, you're like. <laughs> I'm only halfway through. I yeah. feel like I've, you know, spent the whole day with this. Thing. I found the the general air of camp detachment because you couldn't get involved with it. The film didn't seem to be yeah. interested in it. So you had all this like taboo breaking going on, but it just wasn't. It was dull. Didn't didn't land because you yeah. didn't care. Exactly. Yeah, it did feel like the movie didn't care. It felt like uh, I was watching an overextended 
skit from Saturday Night Live where people had just gotten their lines. <laughs> so you know, they were struggling to remember what they're saying and and it was like a one joke that was just going on too long. Yeah, it was the end of the night. It's that last skit that just <laughs> it just keeps going and going. Well, everything after weekend update is garbage. Probably going to be garbage. Once in a while they'll surprise you with yes. a good, with a good sketch or two, but yeah. it's usually junk after that point. So you can pretty much check out after weekend update. Right. But uh Jolene would kind of the same situation for you the the visuals worked and little else did yeah did you find the brothel scene hilarious or a little I sad i didn't find any of it hilarious not i guess i shouldn't I didn't have said find hilarious. any of it did you find it amusing? any emotions at all <laughs> no entertainment <laughs> were you not entertained i was not entertained <laughs> um, yeah when it did like particularly appalling things i was i was amused <laughs> Um, yeah, I was waiting for the brothel scene to be like they, shocking, but it wasn't. Apparently, they um, they 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 finished production and they had to go back and you know movies always have to go back and film inserts, the and pickups whatever. or whatever. But yeah. they realized that uh, no one no one knew where the maid had gone. Oh, so they went back in and did the scene where she gets chased into the um, catacombs and killed, and then gets her guts dangling into the camera. Wow. Yeah, I actually wrote a note about that, is that Otto suddenly got rapey and chased her down, and it's like... Yeah, it just comes out of nowhere, and that's... Waggling his tongue. Yeah, they did that whole scene so you know where she, she went. Uh, it was just... <laughs> why? <laughs> well, that explains it anyway. Like That's why that occurred the way it did. Uh, does this put you off of viewing any more Warhol stuff, Will? Blood for or Dracula. Or Morrissey stuff? Blood of Dracula. Uh, no. No? You're just going to watch it anyway, aren't you? Sure. It'll probably be on Tubi. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen um, Flesh, Trash. Um, they were the previous Joe D'Alessandro films. Yeah. Um, Not keen on either of those. Hmm. But there's a film he did called Seeds of Evil around the, the same time, 74, I think. Hmm. Uh, also known as The Gardener, where he plays The Gardener. Oh. Um. But I, I quite it's like that just one. a nice gardening video. Yes. For 90 minutes. And he's also in Killer Nun. <laughs> Anita Ekberg is a Killer Nun. A Killer Nun, okay. It's not one of those bait and switch where they call it Killer Nun and then there's no nuns, no killers. I, I, I liked uh, that uh, he, he's like playing this Serbian peasant mm -hmm. in the film, but just stick with a you know, Brooklyn accent. <laughs> Don't even try. <laughs> when he says uh, he had his head cut off. <laughs> That's good. What was up with Serbia? Like, why Why was that the choice for this movie? I don't know. Because the, the Frankenstein's not in Serbia. No. Fr Frankenstein's supposed to be of some... He hangs out around Geneva. Austria, right? Germany, something. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems weird Serbia was the choice. Maybe it was something political at the time. Yeah. But they didn't seem to be, you know, making any statements and <laughs> standing on any soapboxes about anything. So no, it's, that's all I can say. Um, anything else about it before we do the recommends? Nope. No. All right. Will, do you recommend this? Oh yeah. <laughs> For a sleep aid. 
heavily. <laughs> yeah, if you've got some insomnia, slap this on. It gets particularly good in the third to fourth hour. <laughs> right. Just do shots of NyQuil and pop this movie in and you're good to go. Uh, Jolien. Yeah, it's not much fun to watch by yourself. I imagine if you're in a crowd. Yeah, I could I could see that. It'd be a blast, but... Mm. And I have to ask, what up with vinegar syndrome? Like, you guys are rescuing garbage from, <laughs> That's from, what the, they do. from the fire. You That's don't just what they do, yeah. Polishing toads. It's all garbage. Yeah. Except for blood beat. <laughs> I mean, they manage to get their hands on some properties that aren't garbage, but there's a lot of garbage in they their catalog. They do what they do. They do. They take it very seriously. Yeah, they, they do they it very well. Care. Yeah, and and I understand that it's important to have a wide range of stuff preserved. But Is wow, that... why focus on so much of this? Because <laughs> uh, Criterion does the other stuff. Although Criterion did release this. Did they? Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. A long time ago. And this, by the way, was not easy to find. I was like, oh, it's going to be streaming in two or three places. Oh, you, you... Oh, you, you saw it on Canopy? Yeah, I set up a, an yeah, account. Yeah, they have the vinegar syndrome. Yeah, yeah. that's what uh, Plex had. Yeah, and, and I figured, well, it's going to be on one of the seven or eight platforms I've got, and it wasn't. Um, it said it was available on AMC Plus or something on that that uh, Just Watch uh, website. It wasn't. Yeah, and maybe it, they had a fee on it or whatever. But then I'm like, oh, Jolien said canopy. Let me see if I can do this without a library card uh, because I haven't taken the time to go get one. And then I found out I could get one online. So I got a library card, mm-hmm. set up a canopy account. And uh, are they nationwide? Um, they're not everywhere. It depends on your local library service. But right. it's free, worth checking for, and they've got a great selection. Yeah. Like in Florida, you can't get anything because they closed all the <laughs> yes. libraries. They, bur- they burned all the books. <laughs> They tried to Floridians find... would have been upset if they could read, but <laughs> oh, you got to step on some toes every episode. Yeah, uh, join us next week when I make fun of hippies. Did you pick a movie for? Well, I should say I don't recommend this unless you're going to have a room full of people that are going to laugh at it with you, and and you're prepared for it to be a bit dull. But in its dullness, there is some hilariously goofy stuff on screen. And creepy kids. So, you know, no recommend unless the caveat of those things. Uh, did you pick something for next week? I have not. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll circle back around to that. No big deal. I'm having trouble finding something. And that's not a good sign, is it? No. There's a couple things I want to watch, but they're, they're rent only at this point. Yeah, I don't like that. No. I don't like paying more. Who wants to pay four dollars for a movie? Four <laughs> whole dollars. Yeah. Good God, are we millionaires? Well, if they're interesting, let, let me know. I might be able to find them. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll 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 figure this out. But uh, meanwhile, um, yeah, I'll just go watch some more UFOs. Uh, involvement with the UFOs JF- with the JFK assassination. What's up with the UFOs? Yeah, what's up with those lately? All right, well, listeners, thank you for listening. Ambient noise. Ambient. Stay out the gold bladders. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even talk about that line. <laughs>